welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, brought to you by Crack Rackets. My name is Alex Gruskin, and joining me on today's podcast, as always, it's my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the king of the red-eye flight, it's our very own Maxwell LeBauer Rothman. Maxie, hey, great shot. Unfortunately... I don't, I don't like that title, but it is one that I am starting to own. You're, I was going to say, you're, you're like Michael Clayton, right? The George Clooney of our crew. You're always on the flight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's not good for my health. but I've never I'll, actually I'll seen Michael Clayton. Good movie? Average movie? Eh. I, I can't say I've seen it either, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I was agree- It was one of those moments where I was agreeing with you for the sake of agreeing with you to it, make you it seem like with I was the George- you agree with the George Clooney comp? Fair. Yeah. I can appreciate that. But also joining us on today's podcast, he's got to be number three in terms of appearances on the Great Shop podcast by now. The third member of our holy trinity, Pied Piper of the Forehand Slice, Dennis Tennis, Dennis in Tennis Men's Superstar. It's our very own James Foster McDonald. Jamie, hey, great shot. Hey, Alex. It's nice to be not in your presence and still, you know, a safe buffer of a certain amount of miles I was going to say away. the same so thing. You don't you have to s- more comfortable this you way. You don't have to smell them. You have exactly. no idea how much better it is for me now that I don't have to worry about my hairline the whole time. I can just be so much more free. It offers me much more True. independence. Is, is that why... You were pretty self-conscious about that. <laughs> is that why right now you've got your forehead blocked off by the screen? You don't want us yeah, to... Yeah, right now I can't see above your eyes. Yeah, look, it's... The best part of me nose down. You just you'll love it. Um, no, I don't. I don't it's know. True. I'm just an idiot. My, here, here we go. I'm tilting up the screen now for you podcast listeners at home. They can now see my gorgeous face. Uh, yeah, as they mentioned, uh, we got to see each other recently because we are a part. This is how we're getting into the housekeeping. That's a transition. For that was you. a bad one. We were all recently together to record our first ever CR live show. We did that in Indy, talking about the U.S. Open men's singles final. We had a ton of great guests during that. Uh, Coach David Rodidi of TCU, Manny Diaz. Uh, we had Brian Smith, Rajiv Ram, Roger Rashid. So many great names. Rothman, it was Roger, a blast. Roger can talk. <laughs> that's that's all I can say. That that guy was. I think it was the first time where I was sitting there. I was like, wow. Like, there's actually one no way to cut him off. Two, no way to to like really rebut because he just says everything you could possibly think of. It was impressive. You should you guys should listen to this to him talk because he's got a lot of good things to say. But we also had a lot of sick sponsors too, right, Alex? Oh, that was that was as well, but good try. Uh, that was, yeah, it, I was, mean, it was facetious. No, a huge thank you to everyone who helped put that. Event. Yeah, hey, great shot to you. But a huge thank you to everyone who helped put that event. Hotel Tango Whiskey, uh, you know, they were a sponsor. <laughs> Bablot sponsor, Valet sponsor, uh, Grand Slam Tennis Tours, Top Notch Management. Everyone who was a part UBS of UBS for you. hosting us. It was yeah, a yeah, great yeah. facility. Hannah Botkin for putting up with our shit oh, in their facility. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. We'll have to cut that out so that they don't hear it. But, yeah, it was a ton of fun. If you missed any of our coverage, be sure to go check that out. You'll definitely enjoy it. And Westoff's been slaving away, so go check it out so that he doesn't have a heart attack, please. Also, as always, go check out our website, CrackRackets.com. ton of great content on there. Gornet, Cardiff, Stokoyak, Parsa, Bo. And now we've got a new member of the team, Carousel, who wrote his first piece. Carousel, a guy we've had on the Cracked Interviews podcast, 
current professional tennis player, former UCLA men's tennis player, who wrote about why playing Djokovic would be a nightmare. And for you, you know, younger listeners, there are a few few expletives in the piece, so be aware of that. But it's very fun. It, you know, it's so great to have him on the team. Obviously, follow our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. If you haven't already, rate, review, listen, subscribe to the Cracked Interviews podcast as well as this podcast, the Great Shot podcast. And if you, have, make, if you have, go grab your friends' phones and do the exact same thing. I was going to say we joke about this every time, but seriously, what, why wouldn't you? Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. And please yeah. give us some feedback. We, we definitely got some good feedback from the live broadcast, and it's helpful for us. So uh, if you ever have any thoughts on your mind, DM us. Slide it right in there. Well, we really appreciate it. <laughs> I was going to say, so we were at that bar in Indiana. What was it? Two brothers, three brothers, seven brothers? Two brothers. But, uh, how, however many brothers there were. Uh, and our waitress happened to be right next to me and, you know, her phone sitting in her waitress pouch or whatever it's called, or her apron, and I – you know, slid it out, oh, quick subscribe. Power. You know, I, I managed to wow, commandeer that, her finger pin. That is super creepy. But uh, Yeah, I didn't do any of that. I just thought I should add a story to prove that it works. No, seriously, though, do all that stuff because you don't want to miss any of our content. But, okay, with that being said, obviously U.S. Open is in the books. Grand Slams for 2018 done. There's only a few events left, and one of the biggest events on the year that we have remaining, the Davis Cup. And this past weekend, we had the Davis Cup semifinals. We had, you know, one not-so-good match, but one just extraordinary tie between Croatia and the USA. And that's where we're going to start today's podcast. We're going to recap those two semifinal matches, give a preview of the final as well. And to our fans, in case you don't know how Davis Cup works, this is a team event. There are best of five rubbers, which, you know, rubbers is the tennis term for matches. You play two singles matches where it's the number one and the number two of the opposing teams play each other each way. So in this case, it was Chorich versus Johnson, Chilich versus Tiafo. Then you have the doubles rubber. And then if at any point, you know, if a team is up 3-0 they'll play the two just for fun but you know it's first team two three matches and then after the doubles they play the reverse single so the ones play the ones and the twos play the twos with that in mind in this matchup between number four seeded Croatia and the USA I mean talk about the tale of two matches right that first day Croatia just jumped all over the U.S. yeah it was uh it was real dominant um, and I mean, in those matches, you sort of expected, like you look at those matchups and, you know, those score lines aren't terribly unexpected. Um, you know, maybe you guys might disagree, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, this, this entire match, and we'll get into this for sure, but this entire match was crazy from start to finish, just an absolute roller coaster. Um, you know, God, they got up 2-0, you know, I was watching it. I was thinking, yeah, Croatia's got this in the bag. U.S. ends up coming back all the way back, and then just sort of that disheartening end with uh, with Chorch and Tiafo there. But Rothman, tell us about this first match. Well, the first match that I think we we want to talk about obviously is the Chorch Johnson match, and this is a match that Chorch ended up winning six four seven six six three. It uh, this is a a match for me that was just another case of wishing Stevie would just switch to the one-hander. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I think this really showed uh, a lot of things about Chorich's game. Firstly, and this is something that he continued throughout his play during Davis Cup, his serve, to me, feels like a weapon now. 
tell me if I'm wrong here, guys. I, I didn't want to jump in and you know because I've I'm, I've been working on one of the one of the cr- constructive criticisms we've gotten is I need to stop interrupting people. Though that may have just been from you, Rothman. So I think you're just a little sour. Uh, but I I will say this. I'll tell you fir- for sure it was not just for me. But you <laughs> but on that first point you made in terms of the Johnson backhand, he hit 15 winners in total in this match. Zero on the backhand side. Zero. Zero. It was unbelievable. I mean. George had a clear game plan. I am attacking the backhand. And one of the easiest ways for him to implement that game plan on the serve. And like you mentioned, he makes 66% of his first serve, wins 81% of his first serve points, 68% of his second serve points. When you have a play as reliable as just kick backhand, especially on the clay where it, it took a second for me to remember, oh my God, they're playing on red clay. This isn't the hard court anymore. The Steve Johnson slice is going to sit even shorter and I think Chorch just did a great job jumping on that first Johnson slice playing serve plus one tennis. And Alex, if, if before we get too much further into this match, I think that is something I do want to talk about for a second is just the crazy difference between going from the U.S. Open to red clay and how much of an advantage there is to playing our red clay for certain players versus others. The U.S. team, for the most part, would you know benefit from a hard court. Stevie was fucked. He was yeah, exactly. And the other semifinal with France versus Spain, they're on hard courts. So I think it's such a a weird thing about Davis Cup where you have some guys playing on clay, some guys playing on hard court, and it it really does make a huge difference in these outcomes. I don't know. I think it it should be more uniform than that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, one thing that's interesting, though, you think about you know Steve Johnson's game, and you know you might say it doesn't really line up with you know the surface they're playing on. But I mean, look, he's the I mean he he was just the champion of Houston, yeah. right? So I mean he's he's shown that he can play on clay and he can transfer his game to that. Um, I don't but know if Houston, I will say this. I don't know if you. Sorry to cut you off. I am sorry. I swear. But I don't know if. You can compare playing Borna Chorich to anyone Steve Johnson played at Houston. I think he played Sandgren in the final, but before that, faced a lot of young Americans. No one quite the caliber of Chorich, but I see what you're saying. No, that's definitely fair. That's definitely fair. I was just simply saying that, like, even when I was watching him in Houston, he looked more comfortable there than he did when I was watching him um, in this sort of setup against Croatia. Um, I think that's something that Chorich did well. He just didn't really let... Stevie get in there and you know get settled and look comfortable at all um you know I think a product of that is like we said just the the killer sort of play of just kicking up high to the backhand and Steve having no answer for it uh, I think that's a lot of it and I think George took advantage of that but I mean if you look at the winner and the unforced air count in this match it just really was not that clean I mean, give, give me some numbers, Groskin. Read them off. You're the numbers guy. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. Well, one of the yeah, biggest I numbers, know you love it. One of the biggest numbers I want to point to, uh, the second serve win percentage, as we mentioned, Chorch at 68%. Johnson, 37% in this match. Goes 10 of 27. I also just want to tell you guys a little funny thing about the Davis Cup website. One of the things they give you is second serve percentage. And obviously, the only time someone misses a second serve, it's a double fault. So I was like, this is literally the least relevant stat I have ever seen in my life. And that was just a thought I had to myself. I thought you guys would enjoy that. But yeah, you, uh, the Davis Cup website it's interesting. is not good. It's a little dated. It's not good. It, it little, could use some work. It could use a it's little so west-off magic. Now, once you get—now, I will say this, though. 
once you get into the individual matches, like once you're able to maneuver your way in there, like seeing the stats, like it's a great platform for that. Yeah. It's really great for that. Like for people who actually appreciate that, you know, Gruskin, you, <laughs> who really appreciate like digging into the stats of matches, I think it's great for that. But actually maneuvering around there and trying to like find what the hell you're looking for, nearly impossible unless you've been there a bunch of times. Completely agree with you. I will run through the ma- the stats from this match and then we can move on. But as we mentioned, you know, the the transition to clay really evident in the winner to unforced error ratio count. Chorch 23 winners against 43 unforced errors. Johnson 15 winners against 53 unforced errors. That is drastically different to the ratios yeah. we were seeing at the US Open. Yeah. So, you know, I think the match being slowed down Chorch was able to grind out Johnson. Johnson still hit some amazing shots in this match, and that is a testament to him. But we, you know, some of the other stats we need to mention: ace double faults. Chorch seven aces against one double fault. Johnson ten to four break points. Chorch three of eight. Johnson one of one. The big thing: neither of these guys came to the net at all in this match. Yeah, I mean, there was a total of what six net points. That can't the two be of them? accurate though. Something's got to be a little funky there. Yeah, I, like, no, to me, that just doesn't I, sound pop. I mean, I think I saw more than that. That's what I'm I saying. Watching. I agree. Um, Maybe there was only one set. But I think this also just goes to show that when you have a guy with as good a backhand as Chorich, that I don't think Stevie is ever going to win a match. Like, I, I think there are a few guys on tour with backhands that are just too good. And if they're smart about playing against his slice... He just actually can't beat them. So, uh, I, I, sorry, I think that was a little harsh. I don't think you mean he'll never win. You mean he'll never be that top 20 guy, right? He can't beat someone whose game is as complete as a top 20 player. I, I mean, sure, but I think I think there's certain top 20 players that don't have a good enough backhand to, to do what I'm saying. I think what I'm, I'm really getting at is there are guys like a Djokovic or a Chorich, so those kind of guys. Top 20 such guys. A, yes, but they, they particularly have backhands that are so solid that i i think it's hard for like if a guy against like excuse me someone like del potro his backhand isn't great it's it's not something that you're like worried about when you're playing against him so i'm more comfortable with the stevie slice one more example even of that the dennis kudla match from the australian open earlier this year right dennis had so much success because he could use his backhand down the line patterns of cross cross line i agree with you we've said it a million times i think that's stevie's biggest problem but as we mentioned you know we can move on chorch gets the win here in straight sets croatia takes a one nothing lead our second match of day one marine chilic marin chilic i don't know why i said it funky there it's not you're in my head (laughs) now marine the Marine himself, Marin Cilic, takes out Francis Tiafo 6-1, 6-3, You know, for about two and a half sets, Rothman, Cilic played really, really well. Really well. Like, it, I was... I was like, wow, this is why he has been so successful in the past year or so. Well, to me, I think why this match was played on clay, and you mentioned this point earlier, this idea that it should be standardized on one surface. I think when they you know, bring the Davis Cup into one, a one-week event like they plan on doing, that is the idea is it'll all well, be yes, on one surface. Yeah. But as constituted right now, I love the idea that if you have the home court, you get to pick the surface. Like, I love that little element that makes it that much more fun. Yeah, I mean, sure, but it is just such a di- like. I think there's already the advantage of being at home and having your home crowd, and then to add the surface as well. I just think is it's half the it's fun. A- fun, uh, sure. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, there's no point in arguing it. It's I agree. Just, it, I, mean, I just, 
obviously everyone agreed with you because they're changing that format moving forward. I'm just saying right. there's something sneaky about that to me. Like if we're playing, you know, the Australians, you don't want to play Kyrgios on a hard court, even with Isner and just that choice becomes fun. Or all the times the French play on grass. That right. to me is interesting. But yeah, in this match, yeah, but- Chilich Tiafo, I thought why they were playing on clay the biggest thing exposed, Francis Tiafo's slices in the first two sets of this match, they just sat for Chilich to attack. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and Alex, real quick, as you said, Chilich did win this match 6-1-6-3-7-6. For the first two and a half sets, as you said, it, he was dominant. But, Jamie, I mean, what what were you seeing in that third set? Did you think that Tiafo could take it? Because I honestly did. I thought Tiafo was going to take that third set. I think he could. I mean, I think Chilich came down a le- in a level a little bit. Um, but, you know, one of the big things that I saw was, like you said, Gruskin, those slices were floating. And, uh, you know, Tiafo, when he would get on the run, he would go to that slice, which, I mean, the is, backhand you know, slice, if it's a desperation. The backhand slice more so, though, right? That one Yeah, was I mean, they really were they were both pretty bad, especially when he was, like, pushed on the run there and he, like, had to go to that slice. It was horrible. It was basically like giving up the point. Like he honestly would have been better off just like Murray skylobbing it I also, every time. He was way too far behind the baseline yeah. on the return. He right? let himself get in horribly defensive positions every single point. Um, and, you know, that's actually something, you know, usually we bash the commentating um, in tennis. And this is especially something in both of Tiafo's matches that the commentators picked up on. And it's just like he's giving up way too much ground and making himself basically just sit in a defensive position. And especially when Chilich was firing, you know, like just hitting winner, 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 and, and just running him around the court. And so I don't know, I, especially with those first two sets, I did not think the third set was going to be close. I thought it was just going to be a complete wipe. Good for Tiafo for making that third, you know, third set contested, but you know, at the end of the day, pretty routine for Chilich. Yeah. As the, uh, you know, famous commentator hater on this podcast um i, do I don't know if you're s- famous no, I, was about to, I didn't know who you were talking about as like all three of us <laughs> as the main commentator notorious. hater the notorious commentator hater it's kind of a ncb nch baby the nch on this podcast um i gotta say i, I actually was pretty impressed with the commentating for the most part. Like I, I actually thought everything they were saying was spot on. There were some interesting adjectives used to describe <laughs> some of the guys. Like they were talking about how Chorich uses every muscle in his body to hit his serves. And I was like, I mean, I think everyone kind of uses every like, muscle in their body. That's what but, Hannah loves. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but no, for, for the most part at whatever commentators were being used in this for for Davis Cup, they were uh, they were spot on. So kudos I to agree you guys. with you. I, uh, that was something I noticed as well. And again, we will be posting all of the highlights that at least Rothman and I watched for this with the Gruskin's notebook that'll go along with this podcast. So if you want to see any of these highlights, check that article out. Some of the other things you look at from this match, as we mentioned, they're on clay, so the winner unforced error ratio. Chilch does a good nine, tw- a good ratio at twenty nine to thirty nine. I thought he was really hitting through the court well, as we mentioned those first two sets. Tiafo fifteen of forty two speaks to how passive he was. Horrible. The other thing I want to mention from this match and then we can move on because we'll get a chance to talk about Tiafo again though he made 65% of his first serves only won 59% of his first serve points against Chilich's 87 sure Chilich only won 47% of his second serve points Tiafo though only 59% that's not exactly making up for his first serve troubles Jamie 
did you notice to me, and this can be our last thing, that Tiafo just seemed to be rolling a lot of serves in on the clay? Yeah, I think, I don't know, it's, it's tough, especially because, you know, the clay gives you a good amount of kick, especially, um, you know, on the second serve. So that could be part of why his second serve was, you know, relatively successful. But yeah, on the first serve, it just didn't have the pop that it needed to. Granted, that's inherently harder to do when you're playing on that surface. Um, but it just seemed like the comparison between what Chilich was able to do, like his weight of his serve was just drastically different um, than what we saw from the American side. So, I mean, it's just a little disappointing on the first serve for sure. But, you know, I think that's a different story if it's on a hard court. Um, nonetheless, he's got to develop the game on every surface. So I guess a learning experience maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think all in all, Tiafo just really needed to, to be more aggressive in this match. But uh, I think, as Alex said, there, there's not a whole lot to say. It wasn't the greatest tennis. What was some yeah. really great tennis was Best match the doubles of the match. weekend. I'm, it I'm was saying so it now. fun. The sizzle. Yeah. It was. Yeah. The, the Harrison Bryan Dodig Pavic match 7 5, 7 6, 1 6, 6 7, 7 6 to the Americans. And man, this was some fun tennis. I had so many takes for this match. Jamie, I, I'm sorry you're going to have to listen to this, but I have to get this out right away. The way oh. <laughs> when I watch these guys play, obviously Rothman, all I think is what do they do that Rothman and I either do or don't do? And obviously it's the pros versus our club level. But I just Dude, trying to some of the this. stick, some of the stick it's volleys that Mike hits. Mike is he, the best, fu- most fundamentally sound doubles player, and I know that's obvious to say. That's crazy. Yeah, obviously, it's yeah, not a hot take, but just to watch it, you need. If you have not watched the Bryan brothers play in particular, watch Mike. He seems to be enjoying not playing with Bob. Just so much. He just seems free. He seems like he's just enjoying the thrill of a new partner and getting to be just so fundamentally sound. And he fills every gap. The guy doesn't make a mental mistake. So do you think when Bob comes back, Mike's just like, ooh, Jack is like kind of better. What would you do? That's what I, that's what I did to Brendan. I was like, Brendan, I got to play with Roth. Like, he's just so much better. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, Dude, that's back, a, back slams. Uh, it's like a yeah. new toy. You have the Jack Sox serve to play with, the Ryan Harrison serve to play with. It's incredible. Okay, but let's think about this. This is this is what I was thinking when I was watching this match. So incredibly entertaining till the very end. Super tight match. Even though the Americans were up two sets to none, do you think this match would have been either this result or this close, regardless of where you fall on this, if it had been Sock and not Harrison? So, I will answer that question. <laughs> the other thing, oh God, last relax. take. I have oh, to share this last take, though, with you, Rothman, because I was watching them play, and Dodig and Pavic, they, obviously because Mike Bryan's so fundamentally sound, they like really made a conceded effort, in, especially towards the end of the, of the fifth set, to attack Harrison when he was at the net, whenever they were two up, going after mm-hmm. Harrison. Yeah. How many times we have fooled teams into doing that when we play them into attacking me, and then we just ended up dicing them? I was like, I know this strategy. Obviously not to that extent, but it's why I enjoyed this for, match so much. For our listeners, if you can't tell, Alex thinks his volleys are that good <laughs> that people hitting to him and attacking him was still to our benefit but i agree with you i was watching them also classic me was thinking like huh how many games could we get against these guys (laughs) like (laughs) you could hold 
I think I get all of once or no, twice. No fucking chance, dude. Harrison's returns <laughs> no. and Brian. Brian, even though he has a one-handed backhand, can stick anything. He can. The only thing he can't really do is take the inside backhand early cross, but he can take it early line so well. So to okay, answer you know your question, Jamie, with Sock in play, I think they still win maybe four sets, like just because there's more continuity. You think with Brian Sock, Sock is that? Oh, okay. I was going to say, I, I, I'm not sure it would be that different considering how well Harrison played. The match that I now really want to see is a Harrison Sock versus the Bryan brothers. Oh, I dis- I don't think Harrison and Sock blend well. I, I just don't like the personalities. Fine, I, I don't- split split up the Bryan brothers that I like. with the two there of them. There I Now we're talking about the difference. Language. The difference, though, for me, why I think about that is I think I think it would have been a you know more convincing win had it been Sock. And Brian, just because of the fact that, like you said, they were able to pick on Harrison at the net. Um, it was super evident that was their gameplay. Sock can stick volleys, especially reflex volleys when he uh, when he's up there. He's proven that. And so I feel like for that reason, I don't know, if there's someone that's not easy to pick on, like, I don't know, I feel like that's not as close as a match. I, I think that's fair. Still, like you mentioned, Harrison did a really, like, really good job of just keeping the ball in play. These guys stuck every every ball there was a chance at. Everything was alive. These guys are so crisp with their finishes, but still their hands are always ready. They're daring you to do it. In the end, I think Harrison and Brian won this match because they just were a little bit better on the first serve, winning 75% of their first serve points. I mean, both of these guys had a ton of breakpoint opportunities. Harrison, Brian, 4 of 9. Uh, Dodig and Pavic. 5 of 13. The crowd was crazy. In the end, what it came down to was Mike Bryan was the best doubles player on the court. Ryan Harrison was the best athlete on the court. All of the skill sets were close enough. That propels them forward, and that's why they won. But still, nothing to me more thrilling than a Davis Cup doubles tie. That's really tennis at its peak. I love it so much. But with that, so after that second day, U.S. gets on the board. It is 2-1. They now have Marin Cilic in a lineup change coming out not against Steve Johnson, but against Slam and Sam Query, who we last saw withdraw with injury at the U.S. Open, losing first round. And what happens? Slam and Sam comes out, steals a 6-7, 7-6, 6-3, 6-4 victory over Cilic. Cilic was up, again, a set and in the breaker, 6-1 in that second set tiebreak, and it just it fell apart. He was also up a break in the second set. Like I have no idea <laughs> how query. How did Chilich? How did no? How did Chilich lose this match? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's like, a better what, question. Like honestly, like and honestly, not even well, take away the fact that he was up in the match. Like just this matchup alone, you got query just withdrew. You got Chilich, who's supposedly coming off a great year. How do you lose this match? I I mean I think the stats are pretty evident of how he lost it. The dude had seventy two unforced errors to 42 winners i mean that's bad that is a bad differential if you, i'm just if, saying yeah i'm yeah. just saying generally that ranking and those reputations like the momentum coming into how do you lose that i don't no, know uh, to be honest i'm still blown away that he lost the match if you look at first serve percentages queries at 50 percent of his first serves chillich had a higher first serve percentage i i just everything about this match i don't quite understand i think really query just realized that chillage was off and started 
making well, balls and letting him miss. That's why they let me on the pod to explain these type of things to you guys. So the first uh, thing, yes, <laughs> let, let's. I wasn't looking for a Gruskin explanation. I'm just that's more of a rhetorical question. Let so, me yeah, clarify I mean, here. It's just like how does this happen? So I'm to not, me, yeah, but here's like, how it happens: is Sam Query started taking his backhand returns so early. He did the thing we were begging Tiafo to do, and just Query, he stepped up inside the baseline. He took time away from Chilich, and if you can take time away from Aaron Chilich, you will have a chance in this match, especially when you're able to dictate the way Sam Query is. Rothman, as you mentioned, the first serve percentage, not great for Sam, but he was so smart about stretching Chilich, whether it's wide on the do side or out wide on the ad, and just opening up the court for himself, making Marin hit on the run much more so. You know, those short little chip returns that Tiafo was hitting where Chilich could just step up and hit inside in or inside out forehands. Query wasn't letting him doing that. Like, letting I mean, him do that. He was stepping query, up. Yeah, for Query, though, to win a match with 50% first serves, I, he has to opt. Yeah, he uh, he has to be hitting ground strokes better than normal, and he was. You're right. He was moving more around the court. But at the same time, if Chilich makes 20 more balls or 10 more balls in this match, he wins. I don't know. Query's backhand down the line was firing. And it never is firing. Well, when it does, he makes the semifinals of Wimbledon. Right. <laughs> exactly. Slamming Sammy. <laughs> yeah, you you guys like that one? That's I, a- it- Sure. It, that Why was not? actually said by the commentators today on uh, <laughs> well, during, that's where you get during it. this match. One other stat I'll mention from this match I know you'll like, Rothman. 16 aces against 6 double faults for Query. Uh, you know, Chilich actually did pretty well himself. 16 aces against 7 double faults. You know, This match came right down to the wire. You look at the total points won. Query in this match wins 134 points. Chilich, 128. Yes, it was a four-setter, but still such a good match. I also... Uh, I, I'm going to squeeze this tangent in anyways because f- why not? I was talking about this with Jonathan Kelly during our American Review pod. And by the way, if you haven't, go check that pod out. But one of his suggestions for countering the whole five set, you know, best of five, best of three problem is that if so- <laughs> it's if you split the first two sets, then you only play a three set match. And just the third set is the decider. But if someone goes up two sets to love, then you play it out. Because then it's like, this guy's got to come back from two sets to love down. But if it's already 1-1, because in that match, it's already, you know, whoever wins the third set is already so much more likely to win the match. His suggestion is just, if you split the first two sets, the third is the final split. Yeah, no, no. What kind of rationale? I feel like that's backwards. That's that's backwards. Yeah, what kind of rationale is that? Because if you... That's absolutely backwards. If you going, yeah, but going up two sets to one is not that much different. Like saying that that person is way more likely to win a five setter is not the case. If anything, I feel like this should be the opposite. If you're able to win two sets consecutively, then I think that's more deserved. Yeah. No, at that point, no. Because if you're able to win, if you go up two sets to love, then. You, or you are likely going to win, right? You're up, you're up two sets to love, so just finish that one out. And if this guy can have a heroic comeback from down two sets to love out, proud proud on him. In a match that splits sets in the first two sets, you are much more. Whoever wins the third set of that match is much more likely to win the match. Uh, and uh, Jonathan had better statistics, so I'm butchering it a little bit. So at that point, the third set might as well be the winner take all set. 
I I could I, not disagree more. I think I get. I liked I, it. I thought it was interesting. That's ridi- That's ridiculous. Like I get what you're saying. Like I get the logic of it, but I think that's a horrible call. It's yeah, interesting. No, at that point, the match is so tight and so close that you should not end it there. That's ridiculous. Fair. That's fair. I'm just saying I thought it was an interesting proposal. We'll we'll talk I'm about it. I'm gonna have to text trash, Mr. Kelly trash and, take. Uh, and tell him <laughs> tell him I disagree. No, I want him to come back on the pod. Not a trash take, but okay then. Let's okay. quickly recap this final match. It's two all in rubbers. We are playing a decider on day three, and in that decider. Friend of the Great Shot Podcast, CR Live participant, Borna Chorich, takes out Francis Tiafo, who's been ducking us, by the way. Francis, maybe if you come on CR Live, you win this match. But Chorich takes him out 6-7, This is another Jonathan Kelly take, but I want to echo the sentiment. Jamie, to me, Chorich was in control of this match the entire time. And yes, Tiafo put up a tremendous effort, but it never really seemed to me that he was going to win. Uh, mm, okay, I agree with what you said until that last part. Yeah, I disagree. Uh, because Chorich was in control, and then he blew it. Like ninety-two unforced errors, blew it. Well, I mean, honestly, he had a bunch of leads that he just absolutely like should not have given away in this game. Like he'd get up breaks, he'd get up multiple points, and then he'd just give them all right back. And I think. I don't know. I think it ended up sort of trapping Tiafo because there were so many points in this match where Chorch wasn't playing clean tennis, and so Tiafo was able to get away with just being in defense mode because he's like, oh, he'll miss the fourth ball. Um, and so for parts of this match, I think that's true. The problem was, in the end, since these points were pretty much being decided on Chorch's racket 80% of the time, he was just trapped and pretty much at the mercy of Borna, and he ended up coming up with some good shots in the fifth set, and got that break and, you know, just rode it out to the finish line. I completely agree with you. This was another instance, Tiafo just too far behind the baseline. And maybe yeah. it's something on clay where he's just so comfortable going for those big sprints, taking huge cuts at the ball while on the run. But just 25 winners in total against 84 unforced errors. You know, he was borderline pushing against Chorch, just trying to survive. And yeah. Borna's too disciplined. That's not going to work. Well, that was yep. most evident on his return. I mean, the amount of chip forehand returns that he put in. Like, if I'm Chorich, I'm hitting every single serve to his forehand and just waiting to attack the first ball. I, I, yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I think that's it's totally true. I think one thing you got to notice, too, on those returns, it's like, it's not only are they chipped, because, I mean, you like, most of the time, that's not a great shot. I mean, you see Vavrinka do it on the first serve particularly. He can get away with it sometimes. Not only were they all sliced, they were floating so much. And same thing when he would get stretched out on that forehand side, especially in this match. His slice on the run was terrible. It would literally just float a good 20 feet in the air and land at the service line. I thought the backhand it, slice did the same thing. Again, it I, did I, too. They, just, they were floating. Something about these yeah. courts too, the ball then would just sit up. And it was yeah. right in these guys' strike zones. And Chorich, you know, when his forehand was working, he was going inside in, inside out, moving Tiafo side to side. And as you mentioned, there was a span from about, you know, 5-1 up in the third set to, you know, the start of that fourth set where his forehand just went away. But yeah. but, but still, Chorich dominated this match at least from a point-by-point basis. He was mm-hmm, constantly definitely. the aggressor. And look at the point totals, too. Way more than Tiafo, if yeah, you go yeah. point by oh point. My God. So, I mean, 
I mean, and that's that's kind of the beauty of tennis, right? You can have these super lopsided sets, and then you have these super tight sets, and just like comes down to a fifth set, down to the wire. But yeah, yeah. The last thing I'll say about this match: second serve win percentage for Tiafo, forty-seven percent. Again, he was just rolling them in too often, and maybe it's because he has to physically exert himself so much on a point-by-point basis in this match. But still, you know. The, he was loving the crowd. I thought it was a you know a rambunctious crowd. It was all of the energy was perfect. Tiafo played how I would have want him to play in terms of he was fighting for everything, but he just was too willing to play defense. He wasn't willing to you know take yeah. the initiative, be the aggressor, go for his shots, and in the end, I think that's what bit him in the ass. Yeah, yep. and I mean definitely sad to see him lose that match. He clearly was very upset afterwards, but also gotta say it was fun to watch. Chorich win and the whole team and the crowd starts singing. They're like dancing in a circle on court. They're going nuts. When they, he they played having, well, yeah. he played sick in this match. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he, he was really good. We should also mention players. against Johnson, he had a tweener lob winner. He and did. Sh- shout out to Borna. That's pretty freaking cool. Also, shout out Tiafo for a very clean cracked racket at the end of his match against Chorich. It the the handle snapped off. It was pretty, also it was Chilich nice. cracks a racket against Chilich Query. ruined one. Gets yeah. a warning but doesn't get a point violation. Do you know who the line judge was? Should we even say it? No, let's just move on. That's a controversy we'll spend on probably we'll say for another time. Um Okay, yeah. Yes, I do know who it is and I think most yeah. people will know who it is. If- but as we mentioned, Chorich knocks out Tiafo 6-7 6-1 6-7 6-1 6-3. Sends Croatia back to the Davis Cup final where they have been, I'm not sure if it's the past two years, but I know they played Argentina recently, so it's a place they have been before. You know, they're going to end up taking on France, who is the number one seed defending champion. Well, it can't, who, they, I don't think it's been the last two years because France has been the last two years. And I don't yeah, think and, and they didn't win. Yeah, you might be right. But still, so France in this instance, you know, defending champion, knocked out Spain 3 0. This is a Spain team playing without them. Nadal, which is a big factor in this match. You look at some of the scores Benoit Pair took out Paulo Carreno Busta, 7 5, 6 1, 6 0. And then you had Luca Pui taking out Roberto Bautista Agu, 3 6, 7 6, 6 Six four two six six four, Jamie. You know, any the first day France goes up two zero. Is that what you expected? No, I that <laughs> match with Pair was so weird. It I don't was know if you guys so saw. Weird. It made no sense to me. First Dude. of all, the guy came out with I think he had eight aces in the first set, <laughs> which is like okay. Carino that's Busta literally was better. Like he was. He's a better well, yeah, tennis he had, player. I mean, he had a lead and he had he had a break point to go up two breaks blew it pair comes back like it was just bizarre and then the amount of well and first of all let's talk about second and third sets really one game that's all he gets it's one to no after a seven five set it was it, seriously after after pair made that break and came back it was all france it was so weird to me i don't know what happened i don't know where he went i don't know what the hell happened but it was bizarre pair was out there just like hitting drop shots every other point like just yeah. running him around the court, it was. It looked like exhibition tennis for a while there. It was bizarre. Here's my fun fact for you, Rothman, from these stats. So in this match, Benoit Pair, 42 of 49 on his first serve win percentage. Second serve points goes 15 of 26. Right, so he loses 11 second serve points. Also has 11 double faults on the match. So every second serve point he lost was a double fault, which means he actually won all of the points he made his second serve on. How is that possible? I yeah. I don't get it. Like, if there's any stat that encompasses the Benoit Pair experience perfectly, it's that. And what I came to the that conclusion— That means he, like, 
barely. Yeah, that means he barely lost any points on That's his serve. And at my all. my biggest conclusion from this match was that I cannot put myself through the stress of being a Benoit Pair fan. I just couldn't handle it. <laughs> it would be too much. It's just it would be overwhelming. And then on the Luca Pui side. I love Pui's game. That was a really high pitch, but I really wow. do love it. Yeah, I, I just he think he, he, he's so complete. It's a complete game. Yeah, he's also just so fast. There were some really sick points at, at, at times. Yeah, I honestly thought Batista Agu was going to take this one. Um, phenomenal ground stroke rallies in this game, and I think that's a product of you know just the styles of these two players. And I think pretty much everyone expected that, but you know especially with Batista Agu's ability to take balls, you know. He has compact swings to be able to take the ball inside the baseline, redirect it really well. You know, I, I expected him to win this match, honestly. Um, I thought he had the opportunities to and should have. Ended up not happening. Pui showed a lot of fight, um, and that was it was a great, you know, five-set match. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, Pui deserved it, honestly. He came up with a lot of winners. You know, he, he came up with some smart points. I will say, Bautista Agut absolutely blew it. Um, one of those wow. breaks, I believe it was, was it? Was it the fifth set? Yeah, I think it was fifth set, four all. Yeah. When he got broken, he was down love 15. He has a sitting ball inside the service line, high forehand, decides to go for like this dinky little attempt at an inside out drop shot and just floats it. Pui hits a free winner, down love 30, gets broken, loses the match. It was just, there were some just mental errors on Batista Agut's side like that that really just sort of let Pui into the match and let him win. Yeah, completely agree with you. And then, you know, France in the doubles point, heavy favorites, but they roll out a team of Beneteau and Mahout. Obviously, Beneteau's going into retirement soon, so this was his chance to get a final leg in. And they take out Granolers and Lopez, 6-0, 6-4, 7-6. Not quite as fun as the U.S.-Croatia doubles tie, but I will say this. Beneteau played sweet. He hit some lobs in this match. And, I mean, Mahout's hands are just ridiculous. Again, very fun match. I love doubles so much. I always forget how much until I watch it. Oh, do you? <laughs> I really do. And I mean, this French team, they play some beautiful doubles. So then with that said, let's do our final thing of this podcast. We said we were going to do a finals preview, so that's what we will end with. But before we do that, we have to introduce everyone's favorite segment. So Westoff, Rothman, Jamie, cue the drum roll, please. It's time for this week's changeover. 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 It's time for this week's changeover chat. The changeover chat. You do shine solo. This is why Justin Timberlake left in sync. You think you're the Timberlake <laughs> of that of that uh, acapella group, but, but okay. As we mentioned, to even to even remotely give me that comparison is a beautiful honor. <laughs> you're welcome. Well deserved. So okay. With that said, let's give our Davis Cup final preview. A fun fact: This is a 2018 World Cup final rematch. I actually think Croatia has a much better chance in this than they did in the soccer game or the football game, however you want to say it. We talk about paths to the final. Croatia takes out Canada in the first round, 3-1. The only match they lost there was Shapovalov took out a sub for Cilic. 
Uh, other than that, Chorch won his two singles matches, and they won the doubles against Kazakhstan. Kakushkin knocked out Chorch. I wish I knew that before I made my U.S. Open bracket. Uh, but, you know, they took care of the doubles, and Chilch won two rubbers there. And then, obviously, they took out the U.S. in the semifinals. For France, took out Netherlands 3-1. Manorino lost his first match to Debacher, but then they got wins from Gasquet, Herbert Mahout, and Manorino. Against, or Manorino gets revenge, takes out Robin Hassa in five sets. They beat Italy 3-1 uh, with Puy taking out Seppi. Chardy losing to Fognini, but then taking Herbert Mahout doubles and Puy over Fognini in singles. And then, as we mentioned, they just beat Spain 3-0. I guess we'll start here, Rothman. In your opinion... What is the best lineup each team can roll out? Well, let's start with Croatia. Let's start with Croatia because I think that's an easy one. So, I mean, are you saying best lineup as if they were to actually have all of their players? Everyone. Well, so no. For France, keep in mind, Songa is injured. I'm pretty sure he is out for sure. But everyone else, I, I believe, is available to you for France. For Croatia, they seem to have everyone playing already. Yeah, I mean that's what I was gonna say. Is like I don't I don't think Croatia could bring anyone else into their team. But but couldn't they change their doubles team? So I think Pavic Pavic a Grand Slam champion in doubles. Him and Morocco I think won the Aussie Open earlier this year, something like that. Yeah, I know he's won a couple mixed as well. I think Pavic is the guy. But do you go Dodig or or like Dodig or is it Chilich is your second Chilich. player? What are you doing? I I don't I don't put Chilich in. I I honestly think it. I honestly think the thing that is overlooked is the stamina. I think playing a doubles match, if you're if he does end up going five sets, that's a lot of tennis to then also have to play singles. I, I think that is uh, is overlooked at times. Also, I think Dodik's a better doubles player, so I'm putting him in anyway. And he's yeah. not going to be in the singles lineup, so it doesn't matter. I think the lineup, how they had it today, is honestly the best that they can put together. So you go Chilich, Chorich, Dodik, Marah. And or yeah. and Pavic, sorry, and that's just yeah. how you roll. I, I I don't disagree with you guys. I think if Chilich really wants it, maybe. But still, uh, unless he's really feeling it, just roll with what you have. What about for France? Assuming everyone's in play, I'm gonna give a controversial take. I think Luca Puy's got to be in the lineup for France. I think he has to. I think he might even be, depending on the surface, a favorite over Chorich. Mm, yeah, I don't know about that. Ooh. But I think you're right to put him in the lineup because... Look how we clinched last year's Davis Cup. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think you're right to put him in the lineup. Saying he's a favorite over Chorich, I don't know about that. Um, but, I mean, I think for France, I think Puy's got to be in the singles lineup for sure. I don't know. He knows how to pull out wins. Give him that for sure. I mean, you watch so, him play and, you know... Puy and who, though? Who's, who's the other guy at this point of the year? Hmm. Gasquet? I mean, Chilich should get two singles wins, right? Yeah, if that's that, the thing. If we're talking match calculus for Croatia, they are banking on two singles wins from Marin Chilich and then probably one from Chorich. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I don't put in <clears> – <throat> well, maybe you oh – God. Maybe you put in pair just for like – maybe just for like the oh, off maybe. chance because if he's on fire, maybe he'll win it because yeah, – I don't – I don't know though, but he also could just tank. And right, but if like but trash. if you're under the right, if you're under the Gruskin assumption though that whoever that is is most likely going to lose though, maybe you just put in pair. You're just like, well, screw it. If I mean, if he's on fire, he's on fire, and he wins. If not, this is or what we expected. Throw him on fee out there, baby. Let him yeah. run around and do some craziness. 
Yeah. Him against Chorch could be interesting. I think that would be so fun to I watch. I think Monfi and Pui. I, I would I would put that as I just don't know how my... fresh Monfi is at this point of the year. I don't know if he's got. I'm, didn't, wasn't he a little injured at the end of the U.S. Open as well? Nishikori Nishikori uh, hurt him. Yeah. <laughs> that match, he went at him on the volley and it bent his wrist back, and he just yeah. retired right there. I also think even though Herbert and Mahout are probably the favorites in doubles, that is far from a sure thing. You know, Croatia could win this thing 3-0 before you even realize if Dodig and uh, Pavic play well. There really is a possibility because they were as good, they were good enough to beat Harrison and Brian. I think the match calculus really leans towards Croatia, just given that they have Chil- the Chilich effect, if he's able to play like we've seen him play earlier this year. I think that's 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 why they they've got to be considered the favorites, right? Yeah, I mean, especially with the way Chorich is playing now too. I mean, you just have two guys that are pretty relentless from the baseline. It's, I would say, there's an eighty-five percent chance Croatia wins this match. Mm, I don't know if I'm going that high, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. You make good points. My thing with Chilich though is like. To me, I have just seen too many times where he's not clutch in sort of big moments. I've seen him get very tight and not go with his A game and stick to his aggression. And I think that could really come back to bite him, especially if he's, I mean, if he, like, we saw it with Query today, I think, and granted, Query played well. But I think there are a lot of times where he can be more aggressive and he tightens up. He tightens up big time. And so if he's in one of those matches where Croatia's depending on him and it's, I don't know. I, I, I'm a little hesitant to completely back Chilich in the big moments. Let's put it that way. So then some fun stats for us before we go. In terms of their career head-to-heads, you look at it. Marin Chilich, 1-0 against Luka Pui. They played Davis Cup semifinals 2016 with Chilich winning. Against Gasquet, 2-2 all-time. Chilich beat him in Davis Cup also in 2016. That's kind of funny. You look at, maybe they should play Jill Simone. Jill Simone, 6-1 all-time against Marin Chilich. The last time they played India earlier this year with Simone taking out Chilich, 1-6-6-3-6-2. That could be a fun play. They certainly That's a good matchup. Yeah, oh, Monfils, 3-0 head-to-head all-time yeah. against Chilich. I yep. mean... You got to go Monfils and Puy. That's maybe, what I said. Maybe I'm wrong. You look at Puy against George head to head. I don't think these guys have ever played before. No, they've played once. George beat him Indian Wells 2016. You look at Gasquet and George head to head. They've also played ooh twice. Gasquet beat him in Davis Cup 2016. George beat him in Dubai earlier this year. I don't know. We you know we've we've gone on long enough. Let's make some picks. Assuming. I mean, regardless of the lineup, we know Croatia's lineup. Jamie, let's start with you. Who you got, and what's your final score? Monfi, Puy, and then doubles is obvious, but Mahoudin, you know, good old Pierre Herbert. Uh, Herbert. Herbert, Pierre Herbert. Oh, you mean Pierre, Pierre Herbert? Herbert? Oh, Herbert. Uh, Herbert, yes, good old Pierre Herbert. Um, no, I mean, that's, I think they'll, I think they win that doubles match. I think France wins one of those first singles matches. I think this is going to be more interesting than you guys predict. I think it's going to be tight. I'm pulling. You know what? I'm going to say Chilich tightens up. I'm going to say France wins it. 3-2? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Cue the upset alarms. Rothman, who's your pick? So, I mean, if there was a healthy Monfi, I think I want the same lineup with the the Monfi and Puy. Um, just because that'd be so fun to watch with the crowd. Sleeping crowds on and... Jill Simone. 
No, Simone. Uh, Simone is a really good pick because of just how consistent he is. I, I, I yeah. think in certain circumstances, I probably would pick him. Uh, but I'm gonna go with the same lineup as Jamie. But I'm gonna give Croatia the three-one win with the mm. one loss in doubles. We'll say this though, real, real quick. Sorry, Gruskin. I was just gonna say. I think my backup, if Mumphy isn't healthy, you put in Simone. We'll give him some credit there. How about oh, that? Yeah. You know, you and Simone, Jamie, have the same, like, face dimensions. You both got the yeah, cube gotten, for the head. I I've gotten said, that. Yeah, so I kind of like that. I, I like your backing of Simone. Uh, uh, so Puy versus Chorich on day one is a must win for France. If they get that match, then things start to look very interesting. I'm going to go with Borna just because he's been on CR, so I always give a shout-out to them. I'm going to say Chilich knocks out probably – it might be Manorino, honest God. It might be Manorino who he knocks out in the first one. I think then – I think Chorich knocks out Puy. I think Erber Mahout get the doubles win. I think then in the reverse singles, Chilich knocks out Puy, clinches it for Croatia. As Max mentioned, Croatia wins 3-1. Uh, all right, you know, with that said – you know, those are our thoughts on the Davis Cup. Obviously, we will be following that closely, although that final is not a, until a little bit later in the year. A ton of great other tournaments coming up as well. We've got the Labor Cup this weekend. We will. Be Alex, ba- I'm gonna I'm gonna pull at you really quick before we just finish. I'm always covering down. Everything you know, I'm down. Yeah, I can't believe we just haven't brought up the atmosphere and the people, and and the way that the fans were during this because. We always talk about that, and I just have to bring up, I love Davis Cup. I love the way the fans interact. They know when to shut up right before they start serving. Like You it, can hear we, the people in the crowd like, shh. Yeah, exactly. Like They know to be rowdy post-point, and then they know to shut up right as he's – like Tiafo would start serving, and then they, everyone stopped. I was like, perfect. That is how tennis should be. Anyways, that's my mini rant. No, I that's appreciate fair. it. Jamie, any final thoughts as well? No, I think it totally makes it more exciting. I think that's why you get so many like interviews with players, and you know, especially if you heard the Ferrer one. Um, you know, if you didn't go listen to it, it was kind of heartbreaking. But you know, at the same time, it was really interesting yeah. to listen to. A lot of these guys, especially when they retire, or even if they don't, or if they're getting older, they get this question of like, "Oh, you know, look back on your favorite memories." So many of them say Davis Cup, and the shame is for a lot of tennis fans, they don't watch or follow the Davis Cup at all. And yet it makes like a profound impact on these players' um, careers, and they absolutely love it. And so I think, I think it's just great to see the passion and emotion these guys have, and especially when they you know, have the fans, the crowd backing them. It's just, I think it's really special to them, and so it makes it even, even more enjoyable to watch. Completely agree with you guys. Well, then we'll leave it there. As we mentioned, be sure to stick with us throughout this week as we bring you coverage of the Labor Cup, bring you coverage of the other pro events going on. I know the Challenger and Kerry just wrapped up. I know their pro events, I believe, some... in Russia, just all throughout. There's a lot of tennis going on, and we will St. obviously yeah, we got St. Petersburg coming. and Mets coming up. Absolutely. So, so we will be sure to cover that for you all. You know, I'll, I'll say it one last time. If you haven't already, rate, subscribe, listen, review, Great Shot Podcast, as well as our other podcast, the Cracked Interviews Podcast. You know, give us some feedback. We would love to hear what you said. Rothman mentioned that earlier. I've tried to stop interrupting him, but I know there are other things we need to work on, and we want to hear from you, the listener, what those things are. So be sure to reach out to us, again, on any social media platform, and we would love to interact with you guys. But with that being said, one last time, for our super producers, Max Fleekner and Daniel Westoff, who have a f- job to do as always, 
for our special guest, member of the Holy Trinity, James Fausto McDonald, for my wonderful co-host, Maxwell LeBauer Rothman. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Rothman, Jamie, what do we say to our fans? Hey. Hey. Great Great shot. shot. That was really good. You guys were in sync. Well done. I love it. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.